Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Cooley with the Red Beard Podcast crew. We're talking about Jim Rock. Oh, hey. We're talking about Tony Amaral III. I'm Batman. And me, Cooley. Uh, Ren has been missing in action. We're trying to find her. We're trying to get her on board. Psych, no, we know exactly where she is. She's just not here. Um, <laughs> Ren, we miss you. Can't wait to have you back. Listen, keep listening to the Red Beard Podcast because we're going to talk about Batman 1989. Stay tuned. Podcast is brought to you by these cool dudes. And we're back. What's up, peeps? Yo, I'll tell you what's up, man. What? The Tim Burton version of Batman in 1989. Ah, word. That's what's up. That's what's on the platter. That's what's getting ready to get served up to these motherfuckers listening to us tonight. Yeah, brother. The, yep. the best Batman? In my opinion, yes. No. No? Nope. Not to you? Not by a long shot. Well, just, just real quick, which one was your favorite Batman? <sighs> I gotta be is honest, man. Is it the man. Bale? The Bale Batman? Listen, I'm this is an unpopular yours. opinion. It's an unpopular opinion because of the the shit that surrounds this Batman. But the Batman that I really I really like the Ben Affleck Batman, man. I really think he was good. You think he's the best Batman? I think he was better than Keaton. What? Oh, oh, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Listen. listen. I feel better though that you said Ben Affleck. I have no problem with you saying Ben Affleck. I thought you were gonna be like Val Kilmer. Yeah, no, George Yo, Clooney. Hey, don't talk <laughs> shit about Val Kilmer. He's a baller. Yeah, but his Batman sucked. Um, it was better than Clooney's. Yeah, it was better than Clooney's. So, like, shit <clears throat> does roll downhill, and it goes Keaton, Whatever. Van, he wasn't Val Kilmer, Clooney. Just, um, saying. just saying that I, I, did not, I didn't like Keaton's Batman. That doesn't mean that I don't like Keaton as an actor, and, I don't, and that I don't think he did a great job acting. Mm-hmm. Did a great job acting. Mm. All right? It has nothing to do with that. It's just when I look at Michael Keaton, I have a hard time putting a Batman suit on him and seeing him kick ass. You know what I mean? He's not To me, he's not a kick-ass kind of guy. Um, like, he doesn't seem intimidating at all. Like, Bruce Wayne, even though he's a millionaire playboy, Bruce Wayne is an intimidating dude, man. Like, he should be. Like, you look at him and he's imposing, but... He has a kind way about him that you, 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 and he's like a playboy, and he like you know, he, he's like uh, he he disarms you with his charm, right? But when he's Batman, that imposing figure is scary as shit, and there was nothing scary about Michael Keaton to me. So like to me, it was a joke. I passed the mic. Yeah, man. I mean, I I disagree. I think uh, completely. I mean, I can understand 
your point, but for me, I I never thought that. I always, I really liked Michael Keaton's portrayal of Bruce Wayne. I think it was very different than a lot of Bruce Wayne. I a lot of the portrayals. Like the only the only person in my opinion that kind of touched upon it mildly was Christian Bale um, where he kind of had some funny moments with, with Bruce Wayne where like he brought in like the two girls you know to yeah. kind of like be the playboy because like he's trying to create a, like a distraction like Bruce Wayne is like is like a mess up you know what I mean he's just a rich a rich kid who fell into his father's money and is just like playing with millions of dollars you know and he was trying to put on that facade so nobody would think that he would be the opposite of that which is Batman uh, Michael Keaton also I think did a really good job at that of bringing kind of like the comedy to it where, you know, he would, uh, he kind of messed around with, um, Kim Basinger, a couple different lines, you know, like how much do you weigh, you know, like, he's like, Oh yeah. I think she's like, Oh, I weigh 108. And then he's like, he tries to like lift her up. But she goes halfway. And then later on, he's like, we weigh a little more than 108, you know? And like, mm-hmm. he kind of makes like cracks a joke here and there. Yeah. Um, so I, f- I like the fact that like there were shadows of Bruce Wayne while he was Batman, you know what I mean? But you would only see that because you knew he would, you know, he was Bruce Wayne and Batman, you know? Um, I, I really liked his, his portrayal just because um, I think, I think what did it for me was it was the first Batman I had ever seen, you know? So that is what I grew to know as Bruce Wayne. Um, right. I had never seen really anything else. Um, seeing, newer versions of him where he's in the suit and he's kind of like a built guy yeah it makes a little bit more sense that that guy is definitely going to be able to beat batman and take somebody out totally right right? but um you know i think a lot has to do with you know like bruce wayne we don't really we don't he really doesn't talk about his fighting style you know and like we see some of the martial arts that like keaton shows in that movie it's not anything crazy but we do see that he has some kind of fighting technique we also see that the suit helps him out a lot right it's bulletproof yeah you know it it can do a lot of things it can fly he has I mean, all these like- gadgets so i feel like those things do help bruce wayne become batman it's not just somebody who is like a built guy it's like having like a z's ansari play batman like what the fuck like He's not scary, man. I wouldn't go there. There's nothing imposing about it. I think. I mean, I think that he. But I think that he was. I I feel like, like he might not be scary to you, but put yourself in a situation where, like, you're a criminal, right? And like this dude jumps out of the shadows in a bat suit that you've never seen before, and he grabs you and hangs you over the ledge. I mean, that's gonna scare the shit out of you to something. Yeah, but then as soon as you size him up, you're like, (laughs) you fucking chuckle and you. Not if you've never seen it before and he hangs you over a ledge. I mean, I don't know, dude. I feel like most criminals would pull out their gun, shoot, realize it's not doing damage, and then would freak out. I think the intimidation factor is there to begin with because of the look. Now, whether or not you like the 89 Michael Keaton Batman, Mm -hmm. you have to admit that that laid the groundwork for everything that has come after. That they... That the 89 Batman revamped the idea of Batman Batman, in on TV video form and brought it to an entirely new generation. Oh, it certainly did. I mean, we I mean, going back like you had you had Batman 66, then you had the Superman movie uh, in in the 70s. um, And since Superman, you didn't have anything there were I mean, anything to speak of in 
in, as far as like a comic book movie goes. And it was this, Incredible Hulk. Well, yeah, but that like Incredible Hulk was like a t- it was a TV show. It was a yeah. It, it they they made a couple of uh, straight to television movies. Uh, but it wasn't going to be something big budget. Yeah, exactly. And, and because like, that's still camp. Yeah, and, you, and they didn't they didn't take it seriously. And like Batman, I still don't think that they took this super seriously, but they took it more seriously than they than they would have something like the the '66 TV show. I feel. Um, I, but see, I think the one thing that 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 this film did very well was really tap into the dark side of Batman and what makes him the way that he is. And I, and I feel like Tim Burton was the perfect director for this because Tim Burton has a certain aesthetic to his films where there's always, there's a certain color palette to it. You know, there's always like this certain music, like Danny Elfman always does the music for, for uh, Tim Burton's films. There's always the dead trees that you see, right? So there's one scene in particular where that Batmobile makes its first appearance and then he's got Kim Basinger and he's or Vicky Vale and he's taking her back to the Batcave and it's it's going right through this dark forest and all the trees are dead and there's leaves on the ground and the Batmobile he's got there's like no lights inside and she's trying to like see what his his face turn and like she's getting close and he turns on the light to push her away the the Batmobile comes by and you see the jet engine come out of the back it's like it's ultimate badass and I think that car was so fucking great because one like you you completely like i watched that movie for the for i think like the first time in a long time uh with becca because she had never seen it i completely forgot about the batmobile until like he shows up you know right through the glass one you know he comes through the glass you know the joker's like where does he get those wonderful toys and then all of a sudden they run outside in the batmobiles and it's like holy shit the fucking batmobile i forgot about it and it's one of the coolest cars in my opinion i mean yeah it does look very spaceship like like you know, you guys had mentioned previously, but it's got a, it really does have like a bat-like design to it and it's super sleek. So I feel like all these things play into that darkness that is Bruce Wayne and Batman and they touch upon that. They show his parents get killed. You know, these are all things that I think they, they hadn't done before. And this showed you that other side of Batman. Well, in regards to the Batmobile, I feel like the 1960s Batmobile is the car that you as an average person would like to own and then take it to car shows to show it off. Right. But the, the Batmobile from 89 was at least to any kid that grew up, you know, in the eighties looked at that and was just like, Oh my God, I want to drive that thing. Yeah. Like how cool that's even today as an adult, I look at that 89 Batmobile and just become a kid again and get giddy and just like, oh, oh my God. So great. Oh, I want, I just want a cop to try and pull me over. This. <laughs> like, dude, I like, I love that car has had a, a huge impact on like what I love about Batman. I mean, like there's an ongoing joke and like Becca never got it until I showed her the movie. I explained it over and over, but like I would, I would like walk like away from my car and like i would have like my keys in my pocket mm-hmm. and i would just say 
shields and then hit the alarm and you know, like it's the dumbest thing but it was fun for me and she's like she's like why do you do that and i'm like oh it's from it's from batman and so like we were watching the the 89 batman and he goes shields and all the shields come on the car yeah. I go, that's why i do that and she goes oh i get it now <laughs> and i'm just like you know it's just like it's so bad as it comes up to him and he just oh, goes yeah, just stop and the thing stops right in front. It's so fucking cool. Just creates a cocoon around the car. Yeah. yeah. It's all bulletproof, you know? It's just so Look, they, like, badass. don't get me wrong. I mean, I, like, I don't want anybody to think that I'm hating on this movie. I mean, like, I, I like the movie as much as anybody else. I had the black T-shirt with the yellow logo on it, right. uh, you know, from that era. Um, I, I had the toys. I had everything. Like, it, like, of course, they were in the package in mint condition, sitting on my shelf. Um, <laughs> of course. I actually worked at Hasbro that year making that Batmobile. Oh, that's cool, man. Which was pretty dope. Uh, of course, I was just in charge of doing the wheels because it was an assembly line process and yeah. it sucked ass. It was pr- it, was, it was a fucking sweatshop. But mm. Maybe that's why I, you hate the car. But I'm, but, I'm proud, <laughs> but I'm proud of having a hand in building those Batmobiles for small children everywhere to play with. Um, that's awesome. And so... So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan of the movie just like anybody else, and I think it did a lot for superhero cinema. I just, like, and I mean, like, this is good. This is probably going to rub you the wrong way, too. I I just, like, everybody talks about how they are, the like, these guys are the epitomes and the best versions of these characters. I don't think Nicholson was the best Joker. I don't think Keaton was the best Batman. I don't think, Fy- well, going into the next one, I don't think Pfeiffer was the best Catwoman, and DeVito wasn't the best Penguin. Um... You know, but but a lot of that has to do with my my childhood and how I came up, the comic books that I've read, the uh, and just certain things just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Well, but well, not not to a point where I hated them. I just didn't think they were the best. I was just gonna say, so so we had this conversation a while back, and and you and I kind of got into that about Catwoman specifically, and. You kept saying, I was like, oh, I said she was the best Catwoman. And you were best like, version of Catwoman. And you kept saying, like, oh, well, no, like, yeah, she's, well, she wasn't the best. She wasn't the best. Like, like, you know, this, and I kept saying, well, this is what Catwoman is. You're like, no, that's not how Catwoman was written. And we kept going back and forth. And yeah. I finally said, well, this is my favorite portrayal of Catwoman. Yeah. And, so, and, like, and so that's what it bases off of was what it's supposed to be and what their versions of it were. Right, exactly. Because like this one, like this chick is like just like this meek, mild mannered secretary that gets pushed out a window, falls into a pile of cats and boom, she's Catwoman. By pushed out a window by Christopher Walken. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck that. That's not how Catwoman was made. Now, once she is Catwoman. Yeah. Totally. It. Like, it's great. Whatever. But. But knowing where she came from and knowing the origins, and because you sh- you see the origin for a reason, that makes it part of that character. Like it tries to make her a little sympathetic because you care about like you know who she was before. She didn't really deserve to be pushed out a window. Blah blah blah. Fuck that. Like Catwoman was a prostitute. She was a burglar. Too. A burglar. Right. And she was a she was just a strong, powerful woman from jump. She didn't have to get pushed out a window. Her affinity for cats isn't because she landed in a pile of cats that saved her fucking life. That would, to me, that type of shit is just dumb, and it, and it mocks what the character is supposed to be. Um, but, I mean, if you're not somebody who read the comics, I can't get mad at you for liking that shit because that's just that's the first thing you saw. Like, that's, that's who you know Catwoman to be. So I can't be upset with that. Right. The I like the aesthetic of Michelle Pfeiffer's 
Catwoman. I like her as Catwoman to begin with. I really like the idea of just all that, all that leather that leather that was just sewn together. Yeah, exactly. And it's just this hodgepodge kind of a like an outfit that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. Like I like the look. Yeah, I don't have I anything. Really do. I don't have anything against the look. But I never really thought of it until you just brought it up. Is that the fact that yeah, she gets pushed out of a window, she's dead, and then what? Like a bunch of Cats licked her. She, no, she she, well, not came back to life because of cat saliva. <laughs> I'm saying no, that's not. Well, yeah, it's technically, technically, you're right, but she basically falls out a window, and the only reason why she doesn't die is there are these like sheets that are hanging off the side of the building. She falls through like four of them, and those break or fall. Right, and then she's she lands kind of like next to a dumpster. She doesn't land in cats. But like you can like, <laughs> that's what I remember. I'm sorry. That's Halle Berry. I mean, they'd be dead. But uh, oh, but I, mean, I, I didn't even watch that. Fucking don't even want to talk about that. that was garbage. But anyway, <laughs> like so so basically like yeah, there there are a couple like cats like kind of like chewing on her fingers, which kind of like wake her up because like you know they're hungry and they're like chewing on her, like trying to. But she wakes up because it like kind of like hurts her a little bit, right? So then she she gets home and I think she's a little disoriented from the fall. And fucked up because she doesn't know what just happened to her, and then she drops the um, she drops like the the milk on the floor, and all the cats come in, and then all these cats come into her apartment. Yeah, why that makes her Catwoman makes no sense. Even even sillier to me. It, yeah, make, makes no sense. They're drawn but to her. At the same time, the same time, it's well, it's supposed to be because of the milk, and they all start meowing and shit, but. Whatever. I mean, like, that, she, like so Catwoman but, doesn't have a power over cats. I'm just saying. You know? I think, But I think that was the way of them kind of bringing the whole cat aspect. Like, all oh, these cats are in an apartment, so maybe that kind of um, gives her the idea to put on this persona of a cat. It's like Tim that, Burton, dude. That, I was just saying, this is. I feel like that's what Tim Burton was trying to do. Yeah, look, here's, here's the thing I with mean, Tim Burton. He's great. I love the dude. I think he does great work. I, right. I love the visuals that he does. But sometimes, like his, he 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 attempts to turn something like that into a piece of art. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. This is this is his artistic vision for what Catwoman is, and it and it it turned me off. Yeah. That's that, that's all it is. Is that like his artistic vision for Catwoman wasn't my my version of Catwoman? So I was I just like, say, eh. I mean, it, something has to be said for the fact that when this movie fucking came out. It was. It killed. Oh yeah. It was like yeah, yeah. it was nuts in the theater. I mean, like yeah, there are maybe it's what some people wanted. Maybe some things that you didn't necessarily agree with, and I'm not saying this to counter that at all. No, no, no. I'm just saying I'm just like it's worth mentioning like how well this did when it actually came out. Like it, it killed at the box office. It was the resurgence of Batman, like we kept saying. Let's get back to let's get back to '89 Batman because we're already talking about Batman Returns for some reason. Yeah. Well, no, we, we talked about the Penguin quickly, but that's about it. And <laughs> that was, that was Nina Kyle, but yeah. Well, yeah that was my fault. Well, yeah, I, that was, yeah, Batman Returns. That was kind of right. my fault because I, like, went off yeah. on that tangent. But Well, I will say an- another character that stood out for me. I did like Jack Nicholson's portrayal of, of the Joker. I honestly did not think that, that anybody was going to be able to top that. And I, I, like, I'll tell this story very quickly. It's a very quick thing. I found out Heath Ledger was was cast as Batman, and I said that's bullshit. He's not going to be able to do it. It's going to be fucking awful. And then they released the teaser for it, where all it was was the bat symbol with sound bites behind it. And I heard his laugh as the Joker, and I got fucking chills. 
I got chills. I got goosebumps. And I was like, holy shit, this fucking guy might be able to do it. Because that laugh scared the shit out of me. But before... It, he fucking crushed it, so... But before you even knew that Heath Ledger existed, there was Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson was excellent. Jack he Nicholson... Was phenomenal. Embodied what the Joker was supposed to be in modern times until Heath Ledger. He was that mob boss that got dumped into like a vat of ink and just He's like acid. Yeah, and he he went Chemicals. insane. Two things. The Joker was a stand-up comedian. Yeah. He wasn't a mob boss. Right. Um until Jack Nicholson. Then he was a mob boss. Mm -hmm. uh, fucking who cares. Um then the other thing is like Jack Nicholson He's fucking old, bro. He was old <laughs> when this shit came out. So he was like this old ass Joker um, with a pot belly, and it just again I'm I'm used to the Frank the uh, not the Frank Gorshin but the Cesar Romero uh, lanky, skinny, tall like young. But see, Joker. that's what, that's what I don't understand, dude. Because it's like if you look at the 1966 Batman, that Joker looks old to me. Like, it doesn't look like a young guy. It looks like an older guy. So Jack Nicholson yeah, makes least, sense to no, me. No, but Jack Nicholson was like, like I, I was just saying, he's like pot-bellied and like out of shape and weird looking. Like, he had like a weird shape to him. He was old. He he was in his 50s when he played the Joker. Yeah. I'm a little shocked about that. I didn't realize he was that old. It doesn't ruin anything for me. No, I it, understand. And again, it doesn't ruin it for me either. I'm not saying that he was horrible. I'm just saying it wasn't the best for me. Yeah, I, I really liked him. There I thought he was a comic book, more comic book Joker than what somebody like a Heath Ledger did. You mm -hmm. know, so I, it was very different, but I but it worked for me. Yeah, Heath Ledger yeah. wasn't a comic book style Joker. No, it was, wasn't it at was all. it was a realistic take on the character, but that yeah. was a realistic take on the Batman world. Right. So it made sense for that. And I'll be honest with you, Heath Ledger was awesome. That was an awesome movie. But that whole even that the 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 Dark Knight trilogy wasn't the epitome of Batman for me and, and the epitome of the Joker. I think I I actually think that um What's his name? Uh, help me out. Suicide Squad guy. Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. Jared Leto, I think, without the tattoos, Jared Leto was probably the closest thing to the Joker as far as, like, look goes for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, dress him up in a regular fucking suit and, and take the tattoos off him. He looks fucking great, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, tattoos aside, I mean, I, I thought minus the writing of Suicide Squad, and cutting him out and not giving him much of a chance. I actually like that dude, man. I thought he was great. I'd yeah. like to see more of him. I and mean, you're going to get your chance. Yeah, he's going to have his own movie, which Definitely. is which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, you know, Jack Nicholson did do some great things for for Joker. I thought that he put him, you know, on screen for the first time in a different way. Um, I really liked um, you know, his um, a way of being funny but also being kind of scary at the same time like somebody that you know made you laugh but you didn't know exactly where he was going to go and i think that you know there's a couple scenes that jump out to me you know obviously he's got his his sidekick bob like who's like his his main man and they're on his that number float, one guy his number one guy and he just goes 
And, it, and there's one scene where they get off the float, and he's like, Bob, gun. He, and Bob gives him the gun, and he shoots Bob. It's like he's a loose cannon. Yeah. You never know what he's going to do. And then he also has the scene where he's talking to Bruce Wayne, doesn't know that he's Batman. And Michael Keaton has, like, probably my favorite flip-out scene where he's like, you want to get nuts? And he, like, slams the, you know, something against the wall and, like, goes nuts. And then he, he asks him that question, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? And he realizes that might be the guy that killed his his parents right and you don't know what he's gonna do like you're like oh he's probably gonna talk some shit to this guy is he gonna kill him and then all of a sudden he like jokes around and then boom shoots him mm -hmm. it's like you never knew what he was gonna do and i think that he did a really good job of bringing that that uh uneasiness to the joker and just he was a loose cannon yeah you know? and that, that worked for me like i i mean I guess like his age kind of works for the movie because you know when he was when he was kind of like an adult that's when he killed Bruce Wayne's parents and he and Bruce Wayne was a kid so now Bruce Wayne's grown up so this guy must be in his 50s but again totally taking many liberties with the origin of this character um and and those types of things throw me off a little bit but I mean, it, the thing is, like, call it an Elseworlds tale, uh, you know, call it something, but it, to call it the the definitive version of these characters is is blasphemy to me. I'm not saying I'm not <clears throat> saying that that's the definitive anything. Mm -hmm. I always love to throw that out there to just see how people, other people, see it. Right. I think that the 1989 Batman was necessary to receive the Batman movies that you're getting today. Right. You know, I think that it opened up a whole new audience that wasn't taking comic book movies from comic book characters seriously to begin with. That was that was for kids. You know, that was for teenagers to read this stuff in their comic books. And then they took then they took a character and made it an adult. And people latched onto it. Now, I know you don't like the liberties that they took with some of these people, but I really think that they wanted to try and make a darker version of this character and make it fit into the lives of the people that are watching the movie so that they could understand it. So, I mean, yeah, ahead. sorry. This is completely different, so go ahead. You I was just going to say, it's like, yeah, but now they have, like today, just, just as an example, in today's cinema, I mean, Warner Brothers now has all the all very accurate action figures to play with you know that everything looks correct everything is has a correct origin but they just don't have the right kids playing with them you know what i mean like we don't have the right uh the right imagination behind the camera uh so or the or behind the pen writing these scripts so hopefully you know that changes and hopefully with you know like the the new talent that they're bringing into the the warner brothers cinematic universe or the dc cinematic universe um extended universe uh the new talent that they bring in hopefully will change things and we'll get something that's a little bit more what we're expecting and i think that's very possible because we right here the three of us are really the first generation that didn't really grow up you know, we mm -hmm. held on to all of the things that we loved when we were a child. That's why we're this this group of collectors that hold on to all of their all of their old items from when they were a kid because we <laughs> now know that it's worth something. But it's also it's also still a key to our past 
to when things we when we were younger and when things were a lot simpler. And I think we're going to start our generation is bestowing that upon our children. I mean, if you guys think I'm being difficult now, just wait until we get into Joel Schumacher. Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. Wait, I, serious. Just I let don't just wait until I let the lid off. Well, I, I want to <laughs> bring up one point. So there's there's one guy that I, I've always wanted to see play the Joker. It's never going to happen. Um, I'd actually have to look into actually this guy's uh, like full name, but he was in the 89 Batman and he actually played young Jack Nicholson when you see him actually come up and like kill his like mother and his father. And it's basically Bruce Wayne remembering this guy and he realizes that it's young Jack Napier. That guy as the Joker, I think would be awesome. He's a skinny mm. guy. He has the face for a Joker with like no makeup on. I mean, like that's just this dude. What's his face. name? He looks freaking creepy, dude. What's um, his name? Something. So somebody actually posted over to the side here. They said that his name is Hugo Blick, and he's the creator of the Honorable Woman. Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah, but he's um, got a great look. Probably had terrible acting skills. Mm. Well, oh, it's this guy. I mean, this is what he looks like now. Um, Hugo, I mean, still creepy looking, but I mean, yeah, but he's way old. Yeah. He's older now. Yeah. But Hugo Blick and it basically says Hugo, Hugo Edgar Maxwell Blick. Sometimes Edgar's Hugo E. Blick is an English writer, producer, director, and occasional actor. Um, you know who I would love to see? And I mean, I know it kind of goes against what I was saying because he's old. It's just a movie called, it's a, it's a television mini masterclass and it's just called, it's just yeah, Hugo Blick, the honorable honorable woman. So I don't know. I'd have to look m more into it. But you know who yeah. I would love to see that's old. Like I know it goes against what I was saying, but I think I I would love to see Hugo say. Weaving. Uh, Hugo Weaving. I I I don't know if I could see that. I would like to see. Um, I could see Hugo. I could see Hugo Weaving playing pretty much anything. But I mean, I think he would fit pretty well as the Hugo Joker. Hugo Weaving as a as a Joker face. Yeah. Joker face, Joker face. I, I'm Wait a sorry. Minute. Um, <laughs> I um. Joker face. No, you know who I'd like to see play the Joker? Yeah, he's older. Willem Dafoe. Crispin Glover. Dude, Crispin Glover could kill it. Crispin Glover was a good um. Uh, man, what's his name from? Uh, Hannibal Lecter. No, Beowulf, the villain. Um, Grendel. Grendel. He was mm. an awesome Grendel crazy but like what i'm saying willem dafoe though i mean like there's there's pictures of him on like the internet where he's they put like <laughs> they put makeup on his face to make him look like the joker and like i could completely see him as the joker like i feel like oh, of course i mean i feel like this is a pretty awesome joker yeah you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's Easy. got that really creepy smile. He's got, like, a thin face. You know what I mean? You really don't have to do much to him to make him look nuts. Right. And he's played plenty of crazy characters before, so I feel like he could pull it off. Oh, yeah. Easy. I mean, he was unrecognizable in The Shadow of a Vampire. We played Nosferatu. He was awesome in that. I like how a couple of times uh, in this episode, we've gone off on tangents talking about stuff that isn't directly related to 1989's Batman, but we wouldn't be having this conver these conversations if the 1989 Batman didn't lay down the groundwork for 
everything that came after. Exactly. Correct. Good point. Well said. Correct. And Vicky yeah. Vale. And Vicky Vale. She was so hot. Kim Basinger was so hot in that movie. She was good looking. Yep. And then she was not as good looking, but still mildly attractive in 8 Mile. The Prince soundtrack? Oh, all done by Prince. My favorite song on that is Party Man, where the Joker comes in and just, like, ruins the museum. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. <laughs> Lawrence? <laughs> so, just, dude, I don't know, man. I'm just telling you. Best scene. Prince gone too soon. Yep. Yeah. So, but did the whole soundtrack and killed it. Yeah, so... Um, I owned it. So, yeah, so that's it for this episode, then. Yep. And uh, because, you know, that's what we do. We talk, and then we stop talking. And with that being said, this town needs an enema. (laughs) And you can get your enema every Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for We Love Wednesdays every Thursday. And you can also check out The Bachelor After Party after every episode finishes on Tuesday nights. Word. Word. Peace. Later. Goodbye.